let's get into God's word, shall we? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date myself here. All right. You know, before, before there was uh, virtual reality or WWE, WWF, whatever, video games, uh, for those of you who are older, there were the Rock'em Sock'em Robots, all right? Yeah. Some, you know, after the, the, the somewhat success of the, the Barbie movie that's currently out, I heard, I laughed because I heard they're going to be making other movies based off of old board games, including, yes, the Rock'em Sock'em Robots, Red Rocker versus Blue Bomber. Okay, for those of you who don't have any idea what I'm talking about, these were like little, they were, it's a two-player game. Each guy has a boxer in a little ring, and they're robots, and you're controlling it. What you're trying to do is get an uppercut to your opponent. To His head was like on a pole, and if you could knock his block off, his head popped up and off, not completely off, but popped way up off of his body, and then you won that round. See, that's how... Now see, that's when games were actually games, okay? I don't know what, I don't even know what they have out there now, but um, any, <laughs> anyway, turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, 5, believe it or not, there's a point to the story about the Rock'em, you remember those, don't you? See, Steve and I, we remember, the rest of you, okay, you guys are way too young to remember that, don't even start, I don't believe you, all right, no, you got, you remember, see, yes, yeah, see, I don't think we owned Rock'em Sock'em Robots, but I played at friends' houses, you know? Are you in 2 Timothy 4 or 5? In the NIV, I love this so much, okay? In the NIV, in 2 Timothy 4 or 5, it says, But you keep your head in all situations, unlike Red Rocker and Blue Bomber. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge the duties of your ministry. That's to all of us. In the Amplified Classic, it says, As for you, be calm and cool and steady. Hello. In the regular Amplified, it says, But as for you, be clear-headed in every situation. You know, if, if we would do that, you know, God tells us to do that. If it weren't possible, he wouldn't tell us to do it. It is possible to do it. I'll tell you what, though, I know what life is like, okay? I know what can come along and knock us in the head. I know that. But you know what? God says, keep your head in all situations. Isaiah 26, you can write this one down. Verses 3 and 4 says, you keep him in perfect peace, whose what? Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You know, I, I have faced things in my life, and I don't always keep my head. I don't know about you. I, I, I won't talk about you. We'll just talk about me. And uh, I don't always keep my head. I, I can lose my head. Uh, I can get all wound up, especially with the aid of a little caffeine in me. And then I can get... My, when I started dating my wife, I was very, very excited about spending time with her. And, and some days I would show up and she'd be like, he talks so much and he talks so fast. And finally figured it out that, oh, that's what caffeine does to him. Because caffeine doesn't really affect her, but it sends me <clears throat> into kind of orbit. But turn, turn over to Philippians chapter 4. But, but you know what? 
when, when the circumstances of life send us into orbit, God has a whole bunch of things to say in his word about us keeping our head and how to stay grounded in him and how to react to those situations. I mean, it is easy to panic. All right? Whether you show it or don't show it is beside the point. You know, I know a lot of guys who, you know, they look like mm, on the outside, but inside they're freaking out, you know, but I, uh, I worked in hospitals for eight and a half years and there'd be emergency situations. And I usually, I usually, everybody'd be like, you keep so cool and calm and collected. Well, I don't feel that way on the inside. On the outside, I could take charge and be like, okay, here's what we gotta do. We gotta do this, 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 this. And are you in uh, Philippians 4 yet? All right, well, let's start with verse 4 of Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Where is he? Near. Yeah, he's near. Do not be anxious about anything. The, the, the do not be anxious part follows the, the Lord is near part. Did you see that? But in everything by prayer... With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice it says in Christ Jesus. Without Jesus, it's not possible. The world's in a mess. They're in a panic. They're anxious and they're, they're seen in doctor's offices, even with little kids, record numbers of kids who, who are suffering from anxiety and needing to be on medication for anxiety. I don't remember being anxious when I was a kid particularly. It seems like we were too busy playing hide and seek and things. But nowadays, nowadays, wow, the world's a mess. Keep reading, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, keep paying attention, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, that's more than just good advice. You know, that's hard to do. Well, I can't do that. Yeah, you can because he asked you to do it. And, and you know what? When the whole world's a mess, the whole world's in crisis, you don't have to join him. Years ago, I remember I, I, I was working when I was working in the hospital. Um, they they asked me they, they they asked me to move to a different unit. I didn't want to move to that unit. I liked where I was. I did not want to be on that unit. That unit was known to be a mess, and I didn't want anything to do with that. And and they said, Yeah, but we know that you'll keep your head. We know that you'll stay cool in the middle of all the crisis down there. We know that you won't get involved with all the staff squabbles and everything that's going on over there. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. But I did not want to. You understand? But you know what? It did turn out okay. But, but you know, was I part of the solution? Yeah, I believe that Jesus in me was a part of the solution, and we got things working a little bit better down there. But, but you know, God will move you into situations. He'll move you into people's lives who are, their lives are a train wreck. And you're like, wait a minute, Lord, do I really want to be a part of this? Well, yeah, you want to be a part of that because they need the Jesus in you. And they need you to keep your head. Amen? Amen. You can flip over to Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to skip around a lot, so, you know, prepare yourselves. But uh, 
you, you guys uh, know, I think I went to Daniel on Wednesday night. This is the other story about Daniel, or this is actually the one about Daniel and not about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But in Daniel chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and sleep left him. Well, the king had a dream, and uh, the king was determined that he wasn't going to tell his wise men what the dream was. He wanted his wise men to come to him and tell him what the dream was and what it meant, because he didn't understand either one. He knew that if he told them what the dream was, they'd just make something up about what it meant. So he wasn't about to, you know, my Bible at the headline says, the heading says, the king's forgotten dream. I don't believe the king forgot the dream. The, the editors added that. No, I think the king was determined. I think that God put it on his heart. God called him the king of kings down the earth. Oh, he was quite an impressive guy. Well, anyway, so uh, verse 5, the king replied, the command for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into rubbish heaps. Hello. Well, he asked the impossible of people who don't have Jesus in their hearts. They don't have God with them. There was no hope. They saw their, they had visions of their dead families and their ripped down houses. Verse 12, because of this, the king became angry and extremely furious and he gave, because they said they couldn't do it. And he gave orders to kill all the wise men of Babylon. I, was, I just leave the stupid people? I didn't say that with my outside voice, did I? No, I did not. So the decree was issued from the, that the wise men be killed, and they looked for Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to kill them. <laughs> Look at verse 14. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment. See? Now we have a great example of somebody who kept their head. Boy, that would be the time to lose it. That would be the time to, well, I'm going to grab uh, my favorite shirt and pants and get on the first horse I find and head anywhere. But no, no, Daniel replied, I love this so much. You know, God is, is all about helping us get where we need to get. Do you understand that? So discretion and discernment. And so Daniel went to his friends. You guys, all right, everybody, pray. God is more than capable of, of solving this situation. But, boy, I sure don't know. All right? Anyway, uh, in verse 24, after Daniel prayed and his friends prayed and Daniel got the interpretation, verse 25 says, Then Arioch, the guy over the, the wise men, hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I had found a man among the exiles of Judah who can make known the interpretation to the king. And so Daniel came in. We're not going to go through the whole story. He interpreted the dream to the king. And, and I want you to understand that, that, that God did that. You understand that, right? He told Daniel the dream and what the dream meant. And skipping to verse 46, here's the king's reaction. I love this. Now, mind you, mind you, the Bible says that every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. Do you understand that? Okay, do you understand that that's Jesus in you as well? 
every problem that, that God puts you into the mix of, you can respond the way Daniel did with discernment and calm and face that in Jesus' name, all right? You can start praying. I don't know how God's going to work it through with you, but, but I can tell you that he will. Look at the response of the king, verse 46. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid humble respect to Daniel and gave orders to present him with an offering and incense. The king responded to Daniel and said, Your God truly is a God of gods and Lord of lords or Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets since you have been able to reveal the secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Isn't that amazing? See, in, in Revelation... It's talking, the Lord Jesus is talking to one of the churches that's persecuted. And, and he said, I will make every one of those people that's persecuting you bow down before you and know that I have loved you. Amen. Amen. See, it doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter how difficult the situation is. God's got answers. I remember years ago, I, was, I, was, I did adoption work years and years and years ago. And uh, one of our birth moms... Um, had the, went to the hospital, had the baby, and got dressed and ran. And so she uh, had reasons to, to not want to, she, didn't, she had reasons to not trust that the hospital officials would not uh, call authorities and, and turn her in. And she, she didn't actually have reason they weren't about to do that, but she had reason to think that, so she took off. And disappeared. And that's a nightmare for an adoption agency. You, there's a whole huge legal process. It can, take, it can take actually years to get the child released and everything processed. And so in, in, the, in, the, in a few days, I had a dream. And, and in that dream, I saw the lady came back. And I saw us go to court. And I saw it all resolved. And so I went to my boss, who was a Christian, by the way, and I said, She's, and she lit into, what, she goes, oh, what are we going to do? This is a big mess. How are we going to ever solve this? I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, you know what? It's going to be okay. The Lord showed me, and I told her about my dream. She just looked at me like, okay. But you know what? The lady showed up wearing just what she was wearing in my dream, did just what I saw her doing in my dream. Went before the judge, signed all the papers. We were able to release the baby. Real sweet little baby, by the way. He's a real cute guy. And, uh, and, and everything just moved forward. No problems, no legal hassles, no big issues. But see, see now, is God going to do that every time? No, but, but, but he is the God of deliverances. We talked about that Wednesday night. He's the God who is able to make things work. But, but the thing is, is that we have to look to him. Amen? We have to look to him and trust him. We've got to keep our head in every situation. Turn over to Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, Matthew, our tax collector friend here, uh, he's, uh, he's reporting that, that, that Jesus had gotten the news uh, that John the Baptist, who was the prophet who went before Jesus, also Jesus' first cousin, or possibly first cousin, but anyway, either way, he was Jesus' cousin. And he, uh, he went, 
he, uh, he had been uh, killed. He'd been, uh, had his head chopped off by King Herod. And uh, Jesus had just found out about John. And in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 14, it says, Now Jesus heard about John. He withdrew from there in a boat and, seclu and a secluded place by himself. You understand that, can't you? Yeah, it's kind of time for some calm, time to kind of get away from everybody, kind of grieve and kind of think through things, you know. Tough moment, tough moment. Because John had been killed because of Jesus, really, if you understand. I mean, because of his message, but his message was about Jesus. So, so Jesus was like, yeah, I mean, he knew John was in a fine place. He knew where John was. He knew everything was okay. But, you know, it said he went off by himself. And keep reading there. And when the people heard about this, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when he came ashore, he saw a large crowd. Now he's trying to get away, trying to take a minute. And so he said, leave me alone. Can't you just give me two minutes to grieve over my cousin? No. No, he, 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 he didn't. No, it says he felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Okay, not really the time, not really the place, not really anything, okay? Uh, you have a pastor friend of mine says this all the time. People need you when they need you, you know? When people are in crisis, it's not really convenient necessarily. Do you understand that, right? But, but in Jesus, notice we read that a minute ago. In Jesus, you can keep your head. Yeah, but I don't always do that. No, neither do I. But you know what? We can always do it. We can always do it. The ability in Christ Jesus is always there. And Jesus, great example. Turn, turn to John 5. It's a few chapters, a few chapters after that. You know, it, this was after the healing of the, the man by the pool, Bethesda, and the religious leaders were all upset because they just like to be upset. And, and uh, they were upset because, because uh, Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. That was their excuse. The truth is they were just jealous, and the fact that he could heal and they couldn't, and he could believe God and they couldn't, and he knew God and they didn't. So they didn't like any of that. And, and the people were following him and not them, and they didn't like that. So, so in John chapter 5, starting with verse 18, all that led up to Jesus, or in the John records, verse 16, for this reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath and all those other reasons. But Jesus said to them, my father is working till now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Notice Jesus did not lose his head here, verse 19. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in the same way. Now, if we have Jesus doing what the Father does, and Jesus kept his cool and kept his calm, we know that the Father is not falling off the throne in heaven when you have a crisis. He is staying seated on the throne. He has not lost his head. He has not failed to figure out what to do to help you get through whatever it is. Now, isn't that reassuring? 
You know, he, he always knows. He always knows just what to do. Amen? All right. You know, the, 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 the disciples um, in uh, Matthew 24, you, want, you can turn back there if you want. Um, the disciples were uh, walking through the temple one day, and, and actually they were leaving the temple, and uh, they started, I think this is so funny, Jesus, who lived in heaven, and the disciples started pointing out to him the cool buildings in the temple. I'm like, really? I don't think those are that impressive compared to what Jesus is used to, all right? I'm, you can say whatever you want, but I'm pretty sure Jesus has seen better than that. But anyway, they were going on and on about how cool the temple buildings were, and Jesus started talking to them about the end times in Matthew 24. And it says that uh, in verse 2, it says, Do you see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone will be left upon another that will not be torn down. And then they realize, oh, yeah, well, he knows the future. And that's exactly what happened, by the way. Anyway, um, verse 4, they ask him, well, before that, verse 3, they ask him, what's the sign of the end times? And Jesus answered and said, verse 4, see to it that no one misleads you. Who, who's the implied subject there? See to it. Who's supposed to see to it? You. You and me. All right, you hearing that? You and I. Yeah, we need to see to it that no one misleads us. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Hello. There's some guy in California right now who says he's the Christ. And they will mislead many people. Wow. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it. Another one. Implied subject is who? Yeah, you and me. See to it. That you are not alarmed, for these things must take place, but that is not yet the end. And they will hand you over, and lawlessness will, in verse 12, uh, and because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. All right, see, he, he, we're supposed to see to it that we're not afraid. We're supposed to see to it that we're not alarmed. We're supposed to see to it that we keep our head, amen? How do we do that? In Christ. We look right here. Our spirit, your spirit man is never going to be in a panic. Did you know that? You're a new creation in Christ. And right down in here is never in a panic. No matter what's going on out here, this right here, we look right here. And we get spirit conscious. And the more time you spend talking to him, the more time you spend in the word, the more time you spend uh, hearing and learning to hear his voice, the calmer you'll stay in every crisis. I don't care what it is. I don't care how bad it looks. You'll stay calm. And, and every one of us in this room has had tragedy and things that happened that have been really, really rough, all right? Uh, I think when Jesus was uh, getting ready to go back to heaven and John 14, you know, all those chapters right there in the middle of John, toward the end of John where it's all red letters, if you have a red letter Bible, because Jesus talked chapter after chapter after chapter that is recorded there. But one of the things he said in the first verse of John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Anyway, implied subject again is, yeah, you and me. Uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. You know that, that, that the calm and the peace that we walk in and, and him saying, don't let your hearts be troubled, you know, we walk in that because he walked in it. We walk in that 
because we're able to walk in that, because he made a way for us to do that. So, so as we learn to walk with him, as we learn to not let our hearts be troubled, we can start walking in love in every situation. You know, I don't care what kind of stuff you're facing at your job or at work or in your family. And, and, and I'm telling you, there's hard stuff everywhere, all right? But, but John 13, 35 says this, by, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. What is it? That you love. That you have love for one another. Love always responds appropriately in every situation, no matter what that looks like. You know, if we look at Jesus again, you know, love fed the 5,000. Well, because he was concerned. They hadn't eaten and they might faint on the way home, it says. So he fed them. Love healed the leper. The leper, you know, it says that he was moved with compassion. And Jesus, unlike everybody else who ran and hid, and you know, because they were required to call leper, outcast, unclean, and, and people would run from him. But Jesus, no, 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 no. He went up, touched him. He said, the leper said to him, you know, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing. And he touched him. Boy, nobody touched them. That guy hadn't been touched by anybody who didn't have leprosy in so long that he probably didn't remember what a touch felt like. But, but moved with compassion. See, love healed the leper. And uh, love rebuked the Pharisees. You vipers. That they might, in hope that they might repent and be saved. He was trying to get them out of that horrible place they were in of rejecting Jesus, rejecting the Messiah. They were on a one-way trip to hell. And uh, he was trying to get them to stop and turn and listen. Some of them did. Love cried when Mary, love cried with Mary when Lazarus died, didn't he? Love rebuked the wind and the waves when the disciples thought they were going to die. We're all going to die. Love died on a cross. Now, Jesus. You know, turn over to Hebrews 12. Jesus, I, I hope you're tracking with me. Uh, Jesus showed us, he showed us what it looked like to be focused on what was important. Does that make sense? You know, that's what happens when we get all freaked out and panicky over things. We're not, we're not looking at the big picture anymore. We're looking at the, some little situation or some little person or something, you know. And, and, and God in Jesus wants us to stay focused on what's actually important, big picture here. You know, sometimes we see something that's happening and it's just the enemy moving in and we need to rebuke him. You know, sometimes we see people in a situation, they just need our love, they need our support, they need our presence, they need us to buy them a coffee or bring them a meal. You know, there, there's so many ways that God might have you exercise the same love that Jesus did when he was on earth. And you think, well, that's just a small thing. No, it's not a small thing. It's not a small thing to that person. And I was at a conference one time, and a guy walked up to me and, and quoted a, or, or gave me a reference to a verse. And I was like, okay. And I, I didn't really think anything of it, but I got back to my, uh, my, uh, the place where I was staying and I opened up my Bible and read the verse. It changed my life. What if he hadn't done it? I mean, I'm telling you, it literally changed my life. I saw God in a new way. Hebrews chapter 12 Verses 1, we're talking about the focus of Jesus here, we're talking about keeping our heads. Therefore, 
since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that's all those who have gone before us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, that's focus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, look what he did, for the joy set before him endured the cross. The joy, that's you and me. He saw you. He saw Elise. He saw Brandon. He saw whoever and all of us, right? Whoever would follow him. He saw all of us. And for the joy set before him, he, he endured what looked to be impossible to endure. But, but that's not the point. The point was the focus. What was he thinking about? He wasn't, he wasn't thinking about, you know, I could call 10,000 angels and wipe all these turkeys out who are trying to hurt me. He didn't think that. No, it says he was focused on what he should have been focused on. That reminds us of that verse we read. Is there anything good, anything praiseworthy, anything we could think, set your mind on those things? It's hard to do. Take some effort, you know? How many times... Have, have, you, have you had to just keep saying in your head, no, 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 in Jesus' name, no, no. I have lots of times, all right? You know, I've been sick, and, and you know, you, you believe God for healing, and the enemy starts, yeah, but you got, yes, in Jesus' name, I'm healed. I thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. Thank you, Lord. I know what your word says. I know. Greater is he that is in me. He is the world. He sent his word and healed them, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases. I am Lord, you're here. I just keep going over it and over it and over it and over it and over it, because that's coming out of here, and the enemy, he just playing around in your head. Just He can't get here. He can't do anything about this, all right? He can't do anything about that. You know, Jesus had the ultimate focus, the ultimate stay in my lane. Hello. How many, how many of you have trouble staying in your lane? You don't, don't say anything. I won't, no, no one will know then. Yeah, we have trouble with that. The ultimate and goal-oriented, the ultimate in self-control. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. You know, as, as we walk out our Christian walk, as we walk out our life in God, we are in the Word, and we are in church, and we are surrounding ourselves with people who love God, and, and it's, it's the way we grow. But Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children. Well, wait a minute. We haven't seen God. No, but Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? We can see what he did. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You know, as we imitate him, we become more and more and more and more like him. <laughs> I laughed when I was getting ready and the Lord took me to Mark 11. I'm like, no, Lord, really? We can't go to Mark 11. We go there like every single week. That is every single week. And then you're going to have me go to the parable of the sower, aren't you? No, I'm kidding. Anyway, no, um, no, no. We're not really going to go there exactly, but... You know, when I, I, you know, when you're driving down the highway, you know, you're with your family or whatever, and, 
and there's a deer. You're like, hey, a deer, look, look. You know, we all do that, I think. And when I, when I was in Africa around the year 2000 or so, 25 years ago, where does time go? Those of you who are close to my age, you know what I mean by that. Yikes. Anyway, so, so we were, we were uh, I, was on a, I, I was visiting a missionary uh, doctor, a friend of mine, and we were on our way to a medical clinic, and I was with a bunch of Africans, and, and uh, we're driving in this very terrible road. And uh, I literally, I, they hit a bump so hard, I literally hit my head on the roof of the car. I am not making this up. Yeah, this is why you should wear a seatbelt. Anyway, um, there were no seatbelts on the seat I was sitting in. By the way, I was sitting in one of the, you know, I was, I was sitting in. Uh, it was a Range Rover, and they had like seats in the front and a bench seat, and then side seats in the back. And I was sitting in one. Anyway, so so I laughed because we're we're driving down the road, and a zebra uh, came out of the brush and ran across the road. And, and the Africans did just what we do. Zebra, zebra, zebra. They got so excited, and I was laughing because I thought you'd just like us at home. But I, I just figured, you know, you know, you have this picture in your head of, you know, animal safaris, and there's animals everywhere, and that would just be boring like a cow or something. No, get, nobody gets excited about a cow, you understand. You know, cow, cow. Nobody does that. <laughs> but apparently... They don't see as many zebras as I thought they probably did because he got very excited about it. We saw, an, I think, Impala, Impala. We saw one of those two. They got equally excited about that. Mind you, they did not get excited about the monkeys that were on the road. I think they tried to hit them. But anyway, <laughs> they don't like them. They're mean, I guess. They come and steal your food. And Anyway, in... in in Mark 11, you don't actually have to turn there. It's okay, really. You don't. All right, we'll leave that. We'll, leave, we'll let Pastor Tony do that. Um, Mark 11, uh, yeah, I might have to sometime, but not today. Mark 11, verse 20. Uh, this is after, uh, understand they, for whatever reason, Jesus and his disciples did not stay in Jerusalem toward the end there. They would, it's, the Bible says they would go out to Bethany and spend the night. So they're on their way in. You guys know the story. In the first part of, of Mark 11, Jesus is hungry. He sees a fig tree and leaves. A fig tree and leaves should have figs. He went over. There were no figs. He cursed the tree. They heard him, and they went into town, and then they came back out in the evening. It's getting dark. They went back out to Bethany, and the next morning, uh, they came back out. Uh, they're heading back to Jerusalem, and Peter, you got to love Peter. He was always the vocal one, wasn't he? You know, he, he, the others maybe didn't say what they were thinking, but Peter, go Peter. Peter fan club. Peter did. And in verse 21, being reminded, it says, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree. He was excited. There's the fig tree. It's dead. The fig tree died, and he remembered that Jesus had cursed it. And he was like, Rabbi, look! And Jesus said, you ain't seen nothing. No, he didn't say that. He said, what did he say? He said, have faith in God. Guys, when you're in the middle of that crisis, and it's, ah, look! It's time to have faith in God. Or that can be translated, have the God kind of faith, isn't it? 
All right, you could translate it, have the God kind of faith. Well, what faith do you think he'd want you to have? He'd want you to have his kind of faith. What's that? Faith that moves mountains. Faith that can reach and solve every situation and, and deal with every problem. That's what he wants you to have. All right, that would be awesome if we all reacted that way every time the first time. Yeah, but we don't always do that. Have you ever done that? I've, there's been several times I remember, even recently, I'd be sick and... and just thinking, okay, I gotta, should I go to the doctor? What medicine should I take? I don't feel good. I don't, I don't know. Where's that nasal spray? And then finally you're like, wait a minute. I haven't prayed. I haven't prayed. Ah, dumb. Anyway, so, so you know, but, but, but that's why Jesus said it, guys, in case you didn't know. You know, Peter's too busy being amazed at the tree, and Jesus is like, no, wait, stop. Every situation, have faith in God. Have the faith of God. Stop there. Put on the brakes. All right? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Faith, guys, is how we keep our head. Faith in him. And, and, and it's not misplaced. He's more than capable. He's more than able. He's more than there. You know, we, the Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. You know, we're in him. Our lives are expressed inside of who he is. We're right there. He's nowhere. He's not far away, to say the least. We're right there in it. And, and, and he says, have faith. Have faith in me. Yeah, but he feels so far away. Yeah, he knows that. But, but that doesn't mean he is far away. No, he's right there. He's right there all the time. Two seconds. Doesn't even take that because he, he's right there. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for or faith gives substance to the things hoped for. All right? We all have hopes in the middle of a crisis. We have a hope for how it could turn out. But faith gives substance to the things hoped for. You guys, uh, you know, in the course of 11, chapter 11 there, it, you know, it talks about Abraham and Sarah. You guys know how God came to Abraham and Sarah, and he told them that a year from now you will have a son. And Sarah reacted how? Yeah, she laughed. But, but guys, but, but we're going to look at something here. She didn't stay there. You understand that? She didn't stay there and laugh. And I get why she laughed, all right? But, but that's why Jesus did what he did when he came along. Peter's like, look, the tree. And Jesus like, whoa, have faith in God, all right? Have the faith of God. And then you'll see things just like that. You'll see things happen in your life, in your world, just like that. But you got to turn it and have faith in God. Look down in Hebrews chapter 11 at verse 11. It says, by faith. Now, we know Sarah laughed. But like I said, she didn't stay there. I get it. I get what you get why she laughed. Hello. Have you ever? She gives hope to all of us. Her first reaction was not right there in line with God. You understand that, right? Right? But. Verse 11, by faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. Hello, 90. Yeah, that's beyond the proper time of life. I mean, who wants to be chasing a baby at age 90 anyway? But, all right, but beyond the proper time of life, look at this, look at this. Since she considered him faithful, why did she receive? Why did she receive the ability? Because she considered him faithful. Faithful. It's the same thing Jesus was saying. Have faith in God. Whatever the situation, whatever you're looking at, whatever went wrong, whatever went right, whatever went whatever, whatever went sideways, whatever they said to you at work, 
some horrible thing. Ever had anybody say some horrible thing to you at work? You're, then you're sitting there wondering if you're about to get fired. Hello. You ever done that? <laughs> he says no. Okay, well, maybe you haven't done that, but I've done that. No, 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 no. Have faith in God. Sarah received because she considered him faithful who had promised. Verse 12, therefore was even born of one man and him as good as dead. Hello. Would you like to have somebody say that about you, man? Just good as dead. That one, he's good as dead. I'm not going to go where I want to go with that, but we'll just stop there. And had as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Do you understand that, that God doesn't love Abraham any more than he loves you? He's not any less willing to meet your needs than he was to meet Abraham's need, who was as good as dead. Hello, man. All right. And Sarah, Sarah, who was, yeah, well, hello, well past the age. What did it say? Uh, past the proper time of life there. That's so wonderfully spoken, isn't it? But you know what I'm saying? There was no chance she was going to have a baby, and there was no chance he was going to have a baby, but guess what? They did. Amen? I think it's, it's, uh, it, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing when we learn to look to God, when we learn to trust Him. Turn over to the, Acts, the book of Acts. It's, records what happened in the early church records some of the sermons that Peter preached, some of the sermons that Paul preached, or excerpts from them. But uh, Acts chapter 13, I love this verse because it's kind of overlooked. You never hear anybody quote it. You know, we, we know that we're free in Christ. We know that, and, and, and that's a little, sometimes it's a little hard to get a hold of. Sometimes by the time you get a hold of it, you're so tired of it, the thing that's been plaguing you, you're so tired of it, you're just glad it's gone, you don't even give, it, you don't even give a praise report to anybody. But you know what? God will lead you out of anything and everything. He'll tear every stronghold out of your life. He will lead you to a place of victory 100%. But, but I'll tell you, it doesn't happen in an instant, and, and we get tired in the process. And, and we feel like we failed so many times, and we feel like God's, well, he's just tired of us. He's probably mad. He's probably sick and tired of the fact that I've screwed up so many times. No, see, see, he's up there rejoicing. The Bible says he rejoices over every sinner who repents. All right, you think he's not rejoicing when you have victory in your life? He is up there jumping up and down. He is excited. All right, are you in Acts 13? You know, God gave the, after Adam and Eve sinned, eventually God gave us the law to help curb sin, but nobody could follow the law, all right? But look, but, but the law, if we'd had followed the law, it would have been okay, but we couldn't follow the law. It was way too much, all right? Verse 38 of Acts 13, this is Paul preaching, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Look at verse 39. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Do you know there's not one thing? There's not one thing that can hold on to you. There's not one thing that can trip you up forever. There's not one thing that can hold you back and keep you from moving on in God. You have him. And he has set you free from... Did you read it? I didn't write it. He said it. Freed you from all things from which the law could not free you from. All right? It couldn't free you. All it did was bind you up and made you realize what a terrible person you were and how many times you'd messed up. 
All right? But no, that's not Jesus. That didn't come in him. The Bible says that he came and he freed us from all things. Amen? Uh, you don't have to look here, but 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse, the end of verse 7 says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline, physical exercise, is only a little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things. Wait a minute. What does that mean? What does that mean? Godliness. Well, that, that sounds way beyond my reach. I can't get there. No, 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 no. That, that's, all it means is we just read a few minutes ago, imitating him. All right? That's being like God. Godliness is being like God, starting to act like God. You know what? He doesn't expect you to get that done just like that. All right? We're not all as perfect as Brandon. Some of us are getting close. All right? But, but, but you know what I'm saying? We, we, it's one step at a time, guys. He's only going to get... He's only going to get uh, working in you about one thing at a time anyway. So as soon as you cooperate with that one, there will be another one waiting. But you just co cooperate with that one. Don't worry about it. All right? He doesn't want you beating yourself up. I mean, if I ask you, how many of you spend time beating yourself up? I know some of y'all. I know you guys beat yourself up. You beat yourself. Some of you are better at it than I am. All right? That's amazing to me. But I know it's actually true because I've talked to some of you. I thought I had it down to a science. Apparently, I haven't reached your level. But, but godliness, again, is profitable for all things since it holds promise. Now, look at this. For the present life and the life to come. I love this verse. I probably quote it every time I'm up here just about. But, but see, see, there's so much teaching out there about, well, the grace of God. You know, it doesn't matter what I do. Oh, does it? Does it not matter? Now, okay. See, it, okay, Pastor Tony would be quick to tell you, we don't get saved by me deciding I'm going to be real good, okay? That is not how it works. Good people don't go to heaven. Bad people don't go to hell. That isn't how that works, all right? Saved people go to heaven. I mean, people who have received Jesus go to heaven, amen? But, but godliness, acting like God, imitating him is profitable. It says, look up there, holds promise for the present Life. Do you see that? This life. All right? You know, the old the song, so I just can't, so I'm not able. I'm going to leave it to, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. There's profit in it. All right? How many of us like profit? We like profit. Don't you like profit? How many of us like victory? How many of us like success? I love those things, okay? Godliness, being imitators of Christ, all right? Now, I may mess up 18 times in traffic, and then the 19th time I pray for the monkey in front of me who can't drive, who's going 40 miles an hour under the speed limit, and I shouldn't have said that like that, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? You know, the guy who, who, who's, you know, then you drive up behind him, and they're approximately 2,000 years old, and their glasses are this thick, and you wonder how they can even see but anyway, the point is, is the 19th time I got it right, and I prayed for that person, and I didn't say anything bad about them or their driving, even though it was on a two-lane road and I couldn't get around them. You know, I didn't say anything. All I did was pray for them. See, now, see, pat yourself on the back and go, God, I'm getting it. I'm getting it, Lord. I'm learning to be an imitator of, of those who inherit the promises. Compromise, you know, when, when we compromise and, and we're not godly and we make wrong choices, it's an enemy of faith, okay? 
Notice, I'm not saying you're not saved anymore. I'm saying it's an enemy of your faith. God wants you living in faith. He wants you living in confidence. You know, did you ever have ask the did you ever have the Lord ask you to do something you didn't do? Or 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 you didn't do it all the way? You know, I, I think um, in in Genesis chapter four, uh, this is a story of Cain and Abel when Cain killed Abel, his brother. And and what had happened was Cain had offered a sacrifice of vegetables to God. Now, mind you, he knew what he was supposed to do because God wouldn't have gotten on him if he didn't. But God had no interest in that. See, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Abel was a farmer guy. He was a livestock guy, and he sacrificed, you know, a lamb or whatever, and, and God accepted that sacrifice. But Cain... Cain offered, you know, zucchini, which God probably didn't want anyway. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and the Bible says that God didn't accept this. <laughs> I'm just, just calm down. I'm just, just joking, okay? God didn't accept the sacrifice because it wasn't a blood sacrifice. You understand? And then God, in verse 6 of Genesis 4, it says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? See? See, we'll get mad at God because of whatever situation we're in that's eating our lunch and beating us up and the family's doing this and my boss did that and, and I don't... Why are you angry? And he said to him, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you, but you must master it. Let me read that out of the New Living. It's really clear. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. You're supposed to be the master. Hello. Now, his ability's there. His strength is there. He'll help you do the right thing. He'll tell you what to do. He'll show you the right way. But we got to make some choices, don't we? Yeah, you know, when, when, when we don't make the right choice, though, like I said, compromise is the enemy of sin or the enemy of faith. When we sin, when we do the wrong thing, when we make the wrong choice, we don't have any faith. Think of Peter after he denied Jesus three times, right? Then he doesn't want to show up. He, you know, Jesus, do you love me? Yes. You know I love you. You know, he feels all bad, right? Then he gets filled with the Holy Ghost, right? He learned from his mistakes, right? So he gets up there and preaches, and 3,000 people get saved, and then he gets arrested, and they haul him in, and they said, now we told you not to talk that way anymore, so why are you still talking that way? And he goes, because I must obey God rather than you. See, he learned. He figured it out. He got it right. See, see God's real patient. He, he knows it may take you a little time to figure it out and get it right, all right? Uh, it took me some time to figure out and get some things right. All right, y'all don't have to say anything, but I know it's still true of you. We must obey God rather than men. You know, when, when we mess up, when we sin, have you ever gone paintballing? I, I, I went paint, I played paintball up in Minnesota in an old 
uh, Christmas tree farm, right? So it's all grown up. You can't see anybody anywhere. I mean, it's crazy. It was so fun, though. We had the best time. If you've never done it, that actually does hurt. I've actually seen people break the skin and bleed because of paintball getting hit. I mean, you wear protective whatever, but it is really fun. In case you don't know, it's like gel-filled balls, or, and they hit you, and it splatters in color. And Anyway, but, but here's the deal. When you're in the middle of a Christmas tree farm, and you can't see anyone, but you know people are looking for you, and you know they're about to shoot you, and you have this impending thought that something is about to go really, really wrong, when we mess up, that's how we are. See, we're walking around in guilt and shame, like somebody's out to get us, like, you know, the, the boom is about to fall, and, and, and see, but it isn't that way. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 John that, that it, it says, if your heart condemns you, Jesus is greater than your heart. You understand it isn't him? He's not the one condemning you, it's you condemning you, because you messed up and you knew you messed up. See, see it's that feeling of something hanging over your head, and that can last for days, can it? Can it? But, but you know what? We discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. We imitate those who receive the promises by faith. Amen? We imitate God, and we, we, we learn to get steady. We learn to keep our head. We learn to keep strong. We learn to be bold and go before that throne of grace for mercy when we need it, because when we need it, we need it. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 41, I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will lift you up with the right hand of my righteousness. See, that's who he is. He's not beating you up. He's not mad at you. The Bible says that the goodness or the kindness of God leads us to repentance. All right, I'm out of time, so we're going to wind this down. Amen. You know, the Bible says that we have overcome because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. No matter what you're facing in the world, no matter who you're facing in the world, no matter what kind of complication, confrontation, con you know, anything that is going south, God's always right there. And as we keep our head, as we learn to just look to him, we look to our heart, we look to our spirit man, we look to him and his word, we will be strong and we will overcome because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Let's pray.